This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunes. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing wonderful today. It is one of the best days I've had in the last half of the year because... Kings basketball is back, technically speaking. The 2019-20 season kicked off with media day yesterday. And yeah, man, it's it's exciting. Are you excited, Brendan? I could not be more excited. Uh, finally is around the corner. I think we get our first uh, set of games on the 10th, I believe, is the India game against the Pacers. And uh, yeah, man, how was you were over there at media day yesterday? How was that? Oh, it was great. It was an incredible experience to be in the house there for media day in the arena. Uh, the facility is just awesome. I never was involved with the team uh, when they were over, over in Arco, but, you know, from everything I've heard, and, and I was in the arena for some games just as a spectator, but, yeah, man, that place was rough. And as far as, like, the facilities off the floor, you know, they've got a practice court there. They've got all their executive offices there you know, the weight training facility, it's all beautiful. It's all, you know, still feels completely brand new. Right. And is it sort of off to the side of the main court, almost in a way below where the stands would be? Yeah, it is. It's kind of like if you're walking up from K street, uh, on David Stern walk there, whatever it is, uh, it's, it's like, as you're coming in near the, the ticketing area, um, it's there's all the offices there. There's the the media entrance, and then the the practice facility is. It's all in the same one big building, but okay. it's kind of like down to the side and underneath. And yeah, it, it's really awesome, and it's definitely a privilege to to be able to attend media day for the first time. And it's it was an awesome experience. I'm like I feel incredibly lucky to be there. And uh, from what I've been told, I'll be able to to be at all the games this season uh, in the press area. There we go. Big news for yourself and for the show. We'll have a lot of insider content going on here. And uh, what was the first thing you did when you were at Media Day there, man? What was the first people you got to talk to? So I actually uh, ran into James Ham first. I was walking up to uh, the arena and I heard a banging on the, the Starbucks window and I, I, that I was walking past and it was James Ham and he, he waved me to come in and hang out with him. And he's a... Uh, Super great guy. We've had him on the podcast before. You and I got to talk to him um, in length before and after the recording. Um, I mean, obviously, just a super friendly dude. And 
probably the best, you know, best in the business uh, here in Sacramento been at it for a long time. And it was started off as a blogger and podcaster and, and got to the, the top of his field. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure being around all the other uh, media members as well and getting to talk with people that are doing the same things, a good experience. And I think you said Luke Walton was the first uh, player slash coach or anyone involved with the team that was available for questioning. Yeah, that's right. So they started off with a press conference uh, with the head coach, Luke Walton. Um, and that, that video was also, uh, I believe it was streamed live, if not like a, a couple minutes later. So all that, uh, that entire press conference is out there. If you at home want to watch the, you know, the entire proceedings and uh, hear everything that he had to say about the team and all that, that was what we kicked off with for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I guess we'll just walk through a little bit of our, uh, main takeaways because you as well, Brendan, got to see, you know, I, I think that's one of the best thing about media days. Like it's all out there for uh, anyone that wants to, to watch or, or read about it. Like it's all very transparent. There's nothing like really behind the scenes on that day. So um, yeah, you know, I will, I'll talk a little bit about the Luke Walden press conference here. Um, again, you guys can all look at it at home, but the, you know, the first question that he got, was about the uh, the accusations that he faced earlier this year, and um, you know, really, you know, we don't feel like belaboring the conversation because it's been very clear that you know he is uh, handling it outside of he, he's doing his best to keep it separated from what's going on with the Kings. Like there, you know, I, I was a little bit. I felt like that question was coming early, but I, I was just so not surprised that that was not going to be the focus of the day because, um, you know, as Walton said, you know, he's trying his best to focus on his job as the Kings coach. And I think that we already know, and you can tell me if, if you had a different impression, but I feel like we already knew that, you know, if anything new is going, if any news is going to come around that situation, it's not going to be happening uh, like in a press conference, you know? Right. I, I feel like, like you're saying, we kind of already knew where that was headed and uh, wasn't anything new expected from that question. It just felt like something you kind of had to check off the list, but it felt like uh, every person that was talked to all the players really seemed to be connecting with Luke on a way that uh, I didn't quite feel was happening with Jaeger. Yeah. So I can't speak to, um, you know, how the the players interacted with Jaeger personally because I was not covering the team last year. But uh, the team definitely is excited about having Luke Walton as their head coach as far as, you know, just the consensus about their excitement. I know Marvin Bagley especially uh, seems to be thrilled with having Walton as a coach. He said that when Walton first joined up that they spent like 20 to 30 minutes on the phone um, you know, and, and Bagley's also one of the first guys that Walton mentions when asked about the team uh, and his belief in their potential and to take the next step. Um, he talks about Fox as well, but I think uh, if I, my memory serves me, I think a lot of his praise was focused on, on Marvin. And one thing in particular, you know, he said, uh, you know, he feels like Bagley can be everything. Uh, and I, I think that was mostly referring to his defensive role, uh, the question was phrased about his defensive role, but, you know, it, that's the feeling that he has about Bagley. I think that he believes that Bagley is every bit the centerpiece that Darren Fox is. Uh, 
and that those are the two guys going forward that can be everything and anything that, that Walden is able to make them. Right. And uh, quickly on the Jaeger thing. Yeah, that was just, I, I guess my speculation, mainly the impression that I had gotten from the uh, Jason Jones piece about the lack of communication seemingly. Um, but yeah, in regards to Bagley, it's great to hear. I know you and I have both said, we actually think Bagley potentially has the higher ceiling than Fox. Um, KHDK was doing a lot of interviews with players as they came about and talked to Yogi Farrell about Marvin. And he was saying that uh, the biggest improvement that he thought he saw from Marvin over the offseason was that he was making the next pass when it was available, um, not forcing it as much, which to me is going to be great for him playing with the other talented guys that also need the rock in the starting lineup. I thought that he fl- he flashed his passing a little bit last year, but he needed to be a little bit more willing there. And I'm excited to see that. I'm sorry, that's Bagley you're talking about with flashing the passing? Right. Yeah, Yogi had mentioned that about Bagley. Yeah, see, I think he really, really struggled passing the ball last year. I think he was uh, – if I, if there's any one thing that I'm most concerned about with Bagley, it is his passing. But, again, like I think we've got to consider the context of that because he was a rookie and because he was kind of playing in these lineups where he was the guy, like he would come off the bench and play in, in you know a second unit that was kind of built to feed him where I don't think he was really asked to facilitate anything. Right. And I think that when Giles was on the floor, it felt like it, uh, the passing got a little bit more contagious. And I think the first step of becoming a better passer is being more willing. So if I can at least see that this year, especially like you're saying him being in these better lineups where he'll need to move the ball a little bit more, I think that's a good step in the right direction at least. Definitely. And I, I think that is the key to, opening up Bagley's passing is like having guys to pass to uh, on the second unit, you know, it's going to be really helpful for him to have, um, you know, just options because when, when he was carrying those lineups by himself or sometimes with bogey, who was going through a pretty tough slump, it felt like it was just, all right, let's get Marvin's back to the basket and let him create. But, you know, now they're 10, 11, 12 rotation players deep you know, guys deserving of rotation minutes in the NBA, the ball, I think, is going to be spread around a lot more. And, and, you know, the turnovers, I think, will drop. I I heard recently that if there's any one thing you can count on from the entire NBA, uh, the entire – and any single player in the NBA is that their turnovers will reduce from their their rookie year. I mean, it seems kind of obvious, but – not every player makes an improvement in every part of their game throughout their career, but turnovers are almost a complete 100% lock that they're going to drop from year one to year two. Right. And uh, Fox is a guy we kind of saw that with Uh, actually turnovers went up a bit, but he obviously had a lot of a larger role. And I know he mentioned the playmaking as being one of his main improvements. He felt like over the off season, he was doing a lot of what he's already good at. Um, but he specifically mentioned watching Kemba Walker at Team USA, and I thought that was interesting. You know, Kemba ran, I think, 300 more pick and rolls. Um, and interestingly, I mean, uh, close assist numbers. Fox just had more turnovers, and Kemba was obviously asked to do more in Charlotte with a lesser talented squad around him. But what do you think of Fox saying he's going to focus on that playmaking even more? Yeah, you know, that surprised me a little bit. Um, we had Jackson Frank on here just the last episode and he talked about how he felt uh, you know, the key to Fox's development is going to be his shooting and his ability to get consistent with the long ball. 
Um, yeah, what did you expect him to say? I, I wasn't sure what I was expecting him to say. I feel like shooting is an easy answer in today's NBA as something to focus on and improve, but what were you expecting him to say there? I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't have been surprising to me to hear the defense um, that he was expecting on maybe, uh, you know, there's a lot of other guys on this team. So the playmaking does make a little bit more sense, but it feels like the three other guys they brought in are really uh, quality defenders. And that's a lot of where their offense comes from is from getting turnovers. So it wouldn't have surprised me to hear defense, even though he already excelled or showed a lot of uh, promise in that last year. Yeah, that's a good one too. I, I, yeah, those seem like, those seem like layup questions where, where almost always the answers and like this can be applied to any team in the NBA is they'll say, you know, focusing on my defense or focusing on my shooting. And I know that Luke Walton also said um, in one of the first questions in his presser, you know, defense, 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 that's going to be the starting point of each of our practices. We're going to be focusing on defense. And I don't know how much to take away from that because I feel like everyone says that I feel like every coach is going to tell you defense is a focus. Um, you know, did that, did that surprise you that that came before the offensive conversation in, in the, the interviews with Walton? Well, I think a lot of the offense from this team, since it's so transition heavy comes from the defense. And I think, uh, like I mentioned, the signings really pointed to a lot of defense. So I think that a lot of the offense is going to come from getting stops. Um, And I think, like I said, the personnel they brought in is going to be able to do that. But it makes me worry a little bit about the half-court offense that we saw some struggles in last year. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. And, you know, going back to the 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 comment on um, if these guys get seem to get along better with Walton than Jaeger, one thing does stand out to me that when we were speaking with Harry Giles, he talked about his shooting, and uh, you know that I've been on here for a long time with with my crazy theory that that Giles is a shooter. Uh, it's just been like he's not been allowed to shoot it, I, and I saw it in Stockton. He hit eight for eight of 11 threes in Stockton and the mechanics looked good. The stroke looked good. Like the ball was just, it was an easy shot. It was an easy stroke. It was going in. Um, and then, yeah, when he was asked about it, uh, let me pull up the quote here. Exactly. Uh, he said that he, he said, I could always shoot. I just didn't really take them. Or you could say that I wasn't allowed to take them. So that seems like uh Kind of a reference to Jaeger, right? Right, it does. Um, and, you know, almost a little bit of uh, not being happy with what he was asked to do last year. I don't want to say not being happy, um, but being three-point shooting in general seemed like it was a big emphasis. I know Buddy was asked about it, and he joked around saying, you know how I feel about shooting more threes. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to see that as an emphasis for this team because they were fourth in percentage but 20th in attempts, and they have the personnel to be shooting them. Yeah, and I think the year before that, 
they were also like top two or three in percentage, but like 28th or 29th in attempts. So that's been kind of what they've done for a few years now, or a few years under Jaeger, where they're a great three-point shooting team. They just do it, you know, less than most. And, and it's kind of a, like a high percentage, low volume situation. And to, to make that into a true strength, you want it to be a high percentage, high volume thing. And I absolutely think there's the talent to do it. And yeah, we also know there's kind of that, that famous or infamous, infamous moment with Jaeger down in Oakland, that game against the Warriors where, um, you know, you, you, I'm sure you remember this. He, he, but he took an open shot, an open three, and uh, did he make it or miss it? Because he got, he, I think he made he, it. He made it. It was deep, and I think that they were playing the foul game, and that brought him back close. Yeah, it was a, it was a late game situation where the Kings were down, and he pulled up. Uh, but he pulled up, took a three, made it, and got. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be a little bit diplomatic here, but he got chewed out, right? Yeah, he definitely did. And then the next possession, uh, I think Golden State might have missed one of their free throws, but it was a three-point game when uh, Sacramento got the ball back, and he caught it in practically the same spot. And he was a couple steps behind the three-point line, but that's where he had just hit it from. And I was so – I was just ready for him to shoot it, and he didn't. He hesitated. I think he took a couple dribbles and then took some contested three. But it felt like it was because he just got chewed out for taking that same shot. Yep, that was a ball he should have shot. There is no question about that. And there's also very little question that the conversation that he had just had with Jaeger seemed to affect his desire to take that shot. So, um, and you know, none of this is to say that Jaeger was um, a bad coach. He certainly wasn't. He he led this team to a massive improvement, but. You know, and, and going back to where we started with this with Giles and saying he wasn't allowed to shoot it, you know, that, that's another part of this where Jaeger's developmental coaching was incredible. So I could absolutely see a scenario where he told Harry, I want you to focus on other aspects of your game. We know you can shoot. We'll get you there when you're ready to shoot, but we need the rest of your game fundamentally to be sound first. You know, we've got guys that can shoot. We've got Bielitsa starting, and he's taken, you know, threes are pretty much the the entire – uh, the, his entire offensive game. So, I, you know, I could see a scenario where they just wanted to work with Harry one step at a time. So I don't want to imply here that Harry was frustrated or disappointed, but he did say that that wasn't what he was, what was expected of him last season. But, you know, continuing on with that quote, he said, the shot is there and I feel like I'm confident enough to make it and I'm going to take it. So that's going to be, I think that's the number one takeaway I had from, this whole media day was that basically every player talked about taking more threes. Walton talked about taking more threes. Walton's actually specifically said, uh, quote, we're going to have goals to shoot a certain amount of threes every game. Uh, you know, and then he elaborated to say he hadn't revealed those numbers to the players yet, but there, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty interesting nugget right there. Right. And he wasn't exactly doing this in LA last year. I mean, they only shot, uh, they were 17th in three points attempts while the Kings were 20th. I mean, he also didn't have the personnel. I mean, they were 29th in percentage for the Lakers, but um, that that's something that we want to see. And I think that uh, that means that you need to be hitting the paint more often, especially in the half court setting, if it does slow down to that. Yeah, I do. I, I wanted to get, 
I wanted to hear more about the half court game, but um, you know, they're just, they're not going to be revealing too much. You know, that's the thing about media day is like a lot of the stuff that's said, is going to be pretty fluffy. They're not going to reveal anything serious. This is all meant to be, uh, you know, they, they want to keep their secrets until the regular season starts for obvious reasons, right? They don't want to give too much away. They don't want to help any other teams with their scouting reports. But, um, yeah, the threes are definitely coming. Uh, you know, that's one thing they, they let out of the hat, and uh, I, I'm grateful for it. You know, Bagley also said here, he's he said specifically, you'll probably see a lot more threes this year, referring to his own game. And I know you've commented on, Bagley's percentage really uh, going up toward the end of the year. Are you excited to see him take more threes? Yeah, I I mean, I definitely want to see him rolling to the basket a little bit. I had a piece on how I kind of think Deadman will almost function as the four at times in the offense, and I'd like to see Bagley get into the basket a little bit more. But uh, I, I do want him to be showing off the three ball as well. If he's hitting that and opponents close out harder on him, then it's even easier for him to get to the lane. Right, and and Rashawn Holmes as well. Uh, we've talked about Deadman shooting before. We've talked about Bagley shooting just now, Giles shooting, uh, Bielitsa as well. Holmes kind of that fifth piece, and been a weird up-and-down career for him shooting where he didn't shoot it at first, then he shot it in Philly, then he didn't shoot it at all, uh, wasn't asked to shoot it or anything like that in Phoenix, but, um, you know, he – he said that he would embrace it if that's what they asked him to do. And, you know, he said uh, that, he, that shooting is something he's done in the past and something he looks forward to doing again in his career. So, I mean, there's a, there's a chance there's five big men that are adequate to, to great shooters on this team. Right, which is insane. I mean, I, I still think Rashawn Holmes is obviously going to be that rib-running big, but if he's open at the three-point line, you want him to be taking it and not shy away from that in any sort of way. Uh, just overall, I mean, saying that Rashawn Holmes is going to be taking more threes just really pushes this. The entire team is going to be throwing up a lot more threes, and I think the percentage will obviously go down a bit, but that should lead to uh, more scoring. And also with those bigs, was there any mention or questions directed towards them about uh, – some competition for minutes there for sure there was but unfortunately I couldn't glean anything you know truly indicative going forward because you know the the answer you know is is always going to be the same it's going to be the same you know you know the guys who get the minutes are going to have to earn them and and you know we welcome competition but as far as sussing out who's getting what type of minutes I don't think that's happening even Marvin Bagley when asked if he expected to be starting, he said, I got no expectations. I, I expect nothing. You know, I, I'm going to work for what I get and I'm going to get what I work for, get what I deserve. Um, but, you know, no one is coming out here being like, yes, I'm the starter. Yes, I'm playing 36 minutes or no, I'm a backup, you know, that type of thing. Right, of course. And uh, what else did you get from some of the new guys? Uh, you know, a Corey Joseph or Trevor Ariza? You know, they all just felt – I felt like they all kind of gave their fairly standard comments on a media day, but it seemed genuine. It seemed like they were excited to be here. Um, you know, Holmes definitely – Holmes, I'll say in, in particular, he it really struck me how smart and how um, just eloquent he was with his speech. I mean, he's so thoughtful. Like, I, you know, you see him on the court, and he's just such a physical force of nature that – is probably a guy who, who probably doesn't need to 
you know, use his intellect too much. It's just clear that he's the type of guy who's not only uh, a physical force, but, you know, uh, an intellectual force as well. He's uh, so eloquent in the way that he, he thinks about the game. He's very thoughtful. And I can tell that, you know, he, he talked about Montrez Harrell. He talked about that with uh, Doug and Grant over at the KHTK booth that, uh, you know, he's a guy that he feels like he can play that style of basketball. He's a guy that he's always thought of playing that style of basketball, which is uh, very attacking, very strong, very offensive focused, going for those offensive rebounds. Um, and, you know, I mean, Trez has beat up the Kings, uh, especially last year. Trez really uh, oh, yeah. put, a, put a whooping on the Kings. And uh, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think we've actually used him as a comp before for Holmes, and that's the type of player that the Kings could have on their roster now, and that's, that's something really exciting to, to me. Yeah, the energy level that him and Corey Joseph both bring, there's going to be a level of intensity there on the defensive end, and uh, I'm extremely excited for that. Um, one other thing I saw Matt George post was a, it was a picture of Trevor Reza and said, rumor has it you have a bigger role than we all expect. Did you get uh, a vibe of that as well? You know, I heard Matt talk about that, um, but I personally did not did not get any evidence to that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I may, you know, we weren't in the same place at the same time all day, so it's certainly possible that I missed something that he heard. But um, you know, it, it obviously wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, he's a very uh, you know experienced player. He's got as much experience in the NBA as the next two guys combined. I noticed that, uh, you know, Joseph, uh, has been in the league eight years, uh, Barnes seven, you know, and reason has been in the league 15. So, you know, it, it makes perfect sense as far as the experience. And as far as he's kind of, he fits the current style of what you want on the wing from the three or the four. I, I absolutely could see some small ball lineups with him at the four, you know, it makes sense. I, I didn't hear anyone say explicitly that Ariza is going to play a ton of minutes. But, you know, as a, again, as you've mentioned, uh, he has played a ton of minutes every single year. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not counting it out either. Right. And, and he is a guy that, like you said, really fits, especially the three-point shooting. I mean, he does not take very many mid-ranges. He takes and his shots are all three-pointer at the rim for the most part. He takes more than 50% of his looks most of the time from, uh, from distance. So he seems to fit that style. I know – I think he played with Luke in L.A. actually. Um, so there's a little bit of a previous relationship there. Uh, so, yeah, I think he fits, but hopefully we're not seeing a, you know, these 33 minutes. I don't think that's available for him. Yeah, I, w- I would think not. Um, I would certainly think not. But I, I also – I do agree that the lower estimates, you know, I've seen some people saying he's going to get 10 right. or 12 minutes a game. I think that's also a little bit ridiculous for uh, what he's proven that he can do in this league. And, and yeah, you know, he definitely struggled in Washington last year, but that's, again, context-specific to be traded midseason to a team that had nothing going for it. I mean, had just no plans for him, had no direction. I'm not – personally gonna gonna write off Ariza as washed you know I mean I think people some people are doing that I think that's unfair Uh, yeah I I think him being in the right situation should be really helpful but yeah you know aside from that 
you know, those are my, those are my big takeaways from the year or from the, uh, the media day about this upcoming year. And, you know, also that uh, basically, you know, no one would really commit to saying this playoff playoffs are bust. I think that's something that, that happened a lot. I think a lot of reporters were asking every coach, you know, they asked Walton specifically, they asked every player that I saw in each interview was asked, you know, is it playoffs or bust essentially, you know, paraphrasing there, but no one is, is interested in committing to that. Everyone knows how deep the West is and everyone knows how much of an uphill battle it's going to be. Right. Which is good to hear. I mean, it did also feel like obviously they are very much pushing for that, but like you're mentioning, understanding the depth of the West and how young this team's core still is, that it's not ride or die on this year like some other rosters around the league. There's plenty of upside still to come uh, in years down the line. Right. There's no question that it's the goal for this team to make the playoffs. No question about that. You know, Fox said that, Bagley said that. But it's also not the end-all, be-all. I mean, there's also ways to have a successful season you know, and finish ninth. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of the West, right? I mean, what they could win 45 games, you know, and they could have breakout seasons from all types of players. All these positive things could happen and they still could, could, you know, miss out on a playoff spot. But yeah, I got one last thing that I want to talk about here. Maybe the biggest thing that I heard yesterday from Mr. Harry, Harry Giles, you know, he said it himself. He was asked very clearly, are you still in the rehab process uh, from those injuries, the lower body injuries? He said, no. He said, no, quote, I'm ready to ball, baby. There we go. And we're ready for him too, man. I mean, your prediction's spot on. I know this is your guy uh, very clearly. And if he's hitting that three ball, maybe he can get some minutes at the four also, like you projected a little bit here. Yep. The sky's the limit. You know, if he is – if you know it's it's clear now that he is healthy in this moment, if he remains healthy, you know I think that he's been identified as the X factor for this team for some time, and yeah, he's kind of a wild card where the team might be successful without him uh, showing his full potential, but if he is able to hit that ceiling or or get close to it, that really is going to unlock a ton of stuff this year for the Kings. Right, and maybe one final thing to kind of get your thoughts on. I heard uh, Bogey getting interviewed by Grant and Doug at KHTK, and obviously coming off that great Serbian um, Serbian run with their national team for FIBA, um, Doug was saying how he sounded extremely confident. Uh, did did you get that same feeling from him where he's just feeling good going in? Definitely got that feeling. He said he's got nothing to prove to anybody about his basketball skills. Everyone knows you know, where he's at there. Um, he said he's a confident guy, but also that the focus for this season, and I couldn't quite tell if he was talking about the team as a whole or, or just himself, but was to stay healthy and, and keep the energy level throughout the year where there's not a fall off. You know, he mentioned that the second half of the year was a problem. Again, I couldn't, couldn't quite tell if he was referring to himself or the team in general because both were true. The team did struggle later in the year and bogey especially really fell into a slump. But, um, you know, I think as far as, as today, you know, in the here and now bogey's as confident in his game as anyone. Right. That's most of what I got. Obviously you were there. Is there anything else that you feel like we got to touch on? That's it, man. I'm, uh, 
yeah, I'm excited for this team. I'm excited for this year. I'm excited for some of these games uh, in India. And yeah, I, uh, you know, maybe we can just, uh, we can talk about our plans here going forward with the podcast. Uh, we've got some, uh, I think we got three or four more season previews to finish out. We'll pepper those in through the upcoming weeks uh, at, before the season, regular season gets going. But I think we're also going to be planning to do some coverage on the preseason games. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm all for it. I will gladly cover any new games that are going on, man. I'm excited for this to get started. Yeah, absolutely. So, And then, of course, when the regular season is here, it's going to be all Kings basketball all the time on the Kings Sports Podcast. Right. We'll be looking for an insane amount of threes thrown up a game. I want 40 of them. Let's turn to Houston. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening. You'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.